Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Writers. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to episode 28 of the Nassman Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Writers Podcasting Network. I am one of your hosts, James Nichols, and as always, I'm here with my good buddy, John Zella. What's up, pal? Recovering after a late night. Late and night. And Islanders win. Yeah, what a win. We'll talk about it. Uh, but before we get there, I want to just talk to you guys about today's episode that is brought to you by Oyster Bay Brewing Company, makers of Barn Rocker, the official beer of the New York Islanders. Oyster Bay Brewing Company is dedicated to producing the highest quality beer while staying true to the nautical history of the on the Gold Coast of Long Island. Their products are thoroughly New York at heart, blending new and old world techniques with creativity and style. Head to OysterBayBrewing.com to see the full lineup of amazing beers and hard seltzers and pick up some merch to represent one of Long Island's best breweries. You can also follow them on Twitter and Instagram at OysterBayBrewing with no G and visit them at their brewery at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay seven days a week. Woo! Another good ad read because I'm feeling good after a sweet win last night. Jordan Everly wins game 3-2 in double overtime. Got to bet at what? 130? Right? What time that game? Wow, you were you were really burning it after the game. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I tweeted out a, a couple of post game comments, stats, and and people were happy and, and angry, and and we'll get to why. We'll get to why. But let's talk about the series so far. Um, last time we spoke, I think the Islanders were down one nothing in the series. The last time we had it, we had a show. Um, now it feels like a really long time ago. It does. It does. It feels like a really long time ago. Um, now we find ourselves, the Islanders are down 3-2 to two in the series, um, but leading up to the series, let's talk a little bit about how we got to the 3-1 uh, situation going into Game 5. Um, the first thing I want to talk about, the Islanders' power play, everybody knows, it's, it's getting worse, it seems, is that it's just so bad. And, and, I, and I don't know what it is about the Islanders' power play that they say to themselves, we need to completely change our game from how we played five on five, but don't. Just how about don't do that? Pretend there's a fifth man on the ice and dominate and control the puck the way you do five on five with one extra player. I'm sorry, one less player on the opposing team. Why can't you just do that? Yeah, it's, I don't. I don't understand it. I think they they kind of fall into the trap of what every other team in the NHL does with that last guy sweeping back and this backwards yeah. pass in the neutral zone or at their own blue line, um, you know, to get Barzell a little bit more speed. I, I'm not really sure what the rationale there is. Yeah. And they, they have, it's funny because that second unit for a while, I think maybe more against the Capitals and the Flyers, but in both of those series, when it was clicking at least a little bit, that second unit was dumping it in. They weren't carrying it. So that's what I wanted to say. The Islanders are proven to be so good at dumping and chasing the puck and retrieving it after dumping the puck. So what is it that they, they feel that they have to, you know, put put it back to their their own blue line, give it to either Letty or, or Barzell to get a, a an entry zone, um, you know, for, for I don't know, for free, I guess they're looking for it. They, they're scared to dump it on the power play and lose the control, but this is clearly not working either. So I say enough with the, the, the dumping the puck back to their own blue line, having someone skate it in and try to gain the zone. It's clearly not working. You know, fortunately, last night, their first power play opportunity, they, they wound up scoring on it, but that's like one of, I want to say, 
you know, almost 25 power plays in this series that they've scored on. I think they scored on two. Yeah, I want to say they were 0 for 13 or something. I forget what the yeah. what the stat is. Whatever, whatever it is, it wasn't good. I think they're letting the lightning dictate too much on when they're on the power play. Yeah. Um, and they might be afraid of not being able to retrieve it because um, they have like they have guys like Sergeyev and McDonough and um, right. and Hedman that can skate. So you dump the puck in and they may be worried about not being able to retrieve it. I don't know if that means you don't try to figure out a way to to do it. Um, there's a, you know there are great minds on the Islanders bench. I'm not exactly sure how they haven't you know at least changed it a little bit. They've yeah. kind of just kept this the same, like every other team. I don't see them doing anything different than anybody else. Right. So and, and you know a majority of the time too when they try to um, you know especially in last night's game when they try to gain the entry uh, to the offensive zone. Uh, off the rush on the power play, I, you know, I notice a lot of turnovers at the blue line. And then it ends up being a shorthanded chance for the Lightning. So it's like, okay, this is not working. And not only is it not working, but it's actually putting us in danger of going down in the game. So that's got to change. I mean, I'm seeing, and I was going to mention this later, the the turnovers between the half wall and the blue line in the offensive zone are terrible. Right. They're these kind of very lazy passes, um, and I don't I don't understand it. It's and I mean maybe we talked about it last week, uh, but it's it's a lot of turnover. It's a lot of Barzal turnovers, right? Frankly, I I, a- I want to say that he's trying to do it all himself. I I want to. It's it's tough. We saw the same thing with a certain somebody who's no longer with the team. I think it's a little bit different. I think that he has a little bit more of a, a, a better supporting cast, but he's trying to do too much on his own. I I could agree with that, but it's it's a lot of Barzal, but I think the whole team does it. I've seen Nelson do it. I've seen Eberle do it. It winds up being this. Um, they think that somebody's there, and they're just there isn't. They're not looking. And yeah. instead of you know, this is where we need Butch going on the on the uh, on the commentary because he would just say, just do the safe thing with the puck. Just get it deep. Yeah. And I think I think we watched when we were watching um was it game six or whatever from Oyster Bay brewing uh against the Flyers. Against the Flyers, just do the same. I think we said it a handful of times. Just just get it in the zone. Right. On the power play, five on five, doesn't matter. Just get the puck deep, stop playing with it. Uh so they they have to figure that out. The turnovers are gonna kill them. Um, you know, the Lightning are just the wrong team. You're not going to catch them. Right. That third guy trying to get back to even up an odd man rush, three on two, whatever, it's going to be really hard to catch those guys. They fly. Right. So if you turn that puck over, you know, you better have the wheels turning the other way. Yeah. And, you know, so the power play is bad. And, you know, the five on five play hasn't been as good as it has been in previous series as well. Um, you know the 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 scores cooled off a little bit in Anthony Bavillier. Uh, we haven't heard Bailey's name in a couple games. Brock Nelson's been pretty consistent, um, but you know the, the, our usual scores are not are not really doing what they had been in previous series. Um, JJ Peugeot is is another one, but the scores cooled off, and a lot of this has to do with that. Too often the Islanders 
forwards are trying to make defensemen too. They're they're trying to make the perfect play too often. The extra passes, the cute plays, the unnecessary extra steps that they don't have to take, rather than like you said, get the puck deep or get the puck to the net. The amount of times that there has been a two on one and the player holding the puck just you know decided instead of shooting this puck on net and hoping for a rebound, I'm gonna pass it off and try to make the perfect pretty play. It hasn't worked nine out of ten times. Nine and a half out of ten times. It's been too many, too many cute plays, too many passes, not shooting enough. I think last night in in the in double overtime, we didn't even reach thirty go, uh, thirty shots on goal. No, it was it was in the low twenties. And I'll say, now on two on ones, I think it's it's very uh, situational. But I think what the honors coach because they've been a lot more selective in their shots in this series than we've even in than in other series, which is surprising. But I think against Vasilevsky, very rarely are they are they shooting and being able to score without getting him moving or right. a screen. So that might be why they're thinking and they may be overthinking it. There may be a middle ground here. But right. I think their strategy going in is we gotta get this guy moving. Yeah. Um very rarely, like I said, Nelson shot, Pulak shot. Um, I mean, they haven't scored a ton of goals in this series, which, again, speaks to Vasilevsky um, right. just kind of standing on his head. Like that breakaway against uh, Barzal in the, was it the first OT yeah. or early in the second. You know, he, he's going to do save. that stuff. So it's it's hard to beat him clean on sure. a shot, and you have to get him like that. That And he's a, he's a big guy. He's not small, and he's very athletic. Yeah. And he's often in position. So you you have to make those passes on a two on one, and we saw it work, right? I mean, yeah, small sample size, but uh, I think that's their strategy is getting right. him moving a little bit, and because he's he's going to stop it if he can see it. Yeah. Now I will say about the you know the majority of this series, it's been a next man up mentality, much like the rest of the the playoffs, and even in the season, you know, it was okay, next man up. Um, you know, we saw Johnny Boychuk go down in the Florida series. Next man up was Andy Green. He stuck it through and through. Um, it, it just seems like majority of the time, even though there's been some tough breaks again in this series against Tampa, Trotz continues to push the right buttons and the, and whoever he inserts into the lineup, like Ross Johnston, like Michael Dow Cole, even Andrew Ladd didn't have a bad game in the one game that he played. Everyone is prepared mentally, uh, Physically, I'm, I would say for the most part, everyone's prepared to play that game. Every, you know, I, I don't see too many uh, plays where I'm like, this guy doesn't even belong. I think at this point, when you're in the Eastern Conference Final, you need if if someone's going to be inserted for somebody else. You know, I, I don't think at any point, you know, did when you're when you're taking a Johnson, you're switching it for a Del Cole or this or whatever. Those are such tiny changes in, in my eyes. Now, I'm not a head coach in the NHL. What the hell do I know? I think when you do that, the person coming in needs to actually make a, a big difference. And I, I, I say that leading into Boychuk's insertion and his blocking the shots. And he, he made an enormous difference on that back end when... He may have needed to be in this. I think this is nothing against Andy Green. Again, talking about just pressing the right button. If you're going to take out somebody like Andy Green, you have to insert somebody that's going to make a very big difference. It's going to that's going to play the style 
of the game that you need them to play against a team like Tampa Bay. Right. And boy, Chuck's that guy. I think, you know, he came out, he blocked those shots. I think the entire Islanders team is very good defensively blocking shots and all that kind of stuff. However, Boychuk takes it to a different level. There aren't a lot of guys. Martin, Clutterbuck, Sezikis, Boychuk are really, really laid on the line type of guys. And when you're, you know, you're kind of playing those buttons, you know, sorry, pressing those buttons as Trotz has. And everyone's kind of lauded him for this. And I can't take it away from him. He is, he makes a change and they win or they at least play a very good game. That's all fine and dandy. But they need to actually do something. You're going to put Johnson, you're going to put a lad in, you're going to, you know, Try to you're not gonna play Broussard, who was playing really well, so he doesn't score for two games and doesn't I don't know that that means take him out of the lineup. Yeah. And then you put him back in and then you're giving him different minutes and different line, you know. I think you're kind of creating a, a situation where you you don't get good momentum with certain players. I'm not for just yeah. leaving a lineup. You know, you lose two games in a row to Philadelphia, obviously you do something different. You keep trying to make it so that it's gonna work, but you know. I don't know. Uh, I'm not just purely looking at like numbers and analytics and things like that, but like Lad versus Dal Cole, what was the difference? Neither of them did anything. So I don't. I don't know what the rationale. You know, switching those types of guys out and putting Lad in. No, he didn't have a bad game. He didn't hear anything negative. But if you're gonna put somebody in and start messing around, like you better be pretty confident they're gonna make a difference. And sorry, Lad, Dal Cole, Johnson. You know, Johnson probably being the better of the three. Um, That's you know, true. Just leave him in. I, I don't know. I don't know what the rationale. Again, taking not having that um, that twelfth forward and putting Boychuk in. You know, I, you were asking me last night, what's the rationale between uh, having seven D and in eleven forwards? Um, is to get those defensemen activated. I think they think that that's something that's really good in the offensive zone. And it leaves them a little bit more with a little bit more energy late in the game. So that's a good change. That's a strategy. Right. Tampa Bay's been doing that um, because they, you know, even though they still play, had been 30 minutes a game in a regulation game that they were winning pretty much the entire time. Um, he's just that good. Uh, but when, yeah, if you're going to make big changes, you got to do it and you got to have some strategy. And last night was a, you know, that was a good button push to me. Yeah, definitely. I, I would like to say that the whole uh, situation with Johnston is, although he looked very good in game four, in my opinion, I thought he had some really good shifts out there. Uh, his whole purpose for being in the lineup was because of how game three ended. I only just won the game, uh, scored that empty net goal on the way to scoring that empty net goal. JJ Peugeot uh, takes a big slash, an ugly hack from Nikita Kucherov. Things got chippy. The, the, the horn rang. The teams were still fighting on the ice and everything. So, the series as a whole has been really chippy. Um, it, it seems almost like the, the refs are just letting it go. So, I mean, listen, it's happening on both sides, in my opinion, so I'm not going to hold it against the refs. I think that they're letting a lot go on both ends. Um, the Lightning not, are really dirty, though. They I did are. Not ex- I did not expect this from them. I thought they were like a skilled team. I wasn't expecting a team of Selkie winners, but or Lady Bill- Bing winners, rather. But... Uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. There, there have been some very uh, uh, blatant calls that have been missed. Um, but again, I, I think that it, it's gone both ways, maybe a little more so on Tampa's end because they played dirtier. So I, I could see where you're where you're coming from with that. 
Um, but that slash on Sezikis, you know, I, I'm sorry, on, on Peugeot. Peugeot said, you know, he was like, listen, I think he was just trying to get the stick and he caught me in a bad spot. But he took exception to it, and I'm glad he did. I mean, that's a hockey player thing. That's yeah, the most hockey exactly. thing I've ever – you know, because he's not going to come out there. Because as an organization, they do a good job of, you know, staying positive. And I think that's good. And I think internally they believe that stuff. Right. But it's bullshit. Like, he took a hack. Um, he did. They were frustrated. He's been kind of hurt here and there. So I think he's extra frustrated. Probably. Um, I don't know. I don't know how that happens to a team where you just, you're as, you know, as a coach or coaching staff, you kind of just like let your players with these extra little touches and stuff like that. It just seems wild to me, but well, we'll, we'll get to John Cooper and his thoughts and actions uh, a little, a little later. Um, but I, it doesn't seem to me like he helps that mentality too much. Um, but as a whole, the series has been pretty chippy. I do. I, I'm pretty proud um, of what I see from the Islanders in regards to battling back to that chippiness. They do a good job of staying out of the box, although they've been in the box a little bit more this series than any others. But for the most part, they do a decent job of staying out of the box and also standing up for themselves uh, when push comes to shove. So chippy, chippy series. I didn't expect it just as much as you didn't expect it. We know a little bit more about the Lightning now. Um, going into game four, we learned that Cases Azekis and Thomas Kunakle were leaving the bubble. Uh, injuries are starting to add up. Big one with Sezikis, not as big with uh, Kunakle, but you know Kunakle's a good role player for you know say a guy like uh, Cal Clutterbuck goes down. That's a seamless you know transition from Clutterbuck to uh, Kunakle, who can you know fill in on third and third and fourth line or you know. I know Clutterbuck played on the the first line last night, um, but there was an interesting shift in line combinations last night too. So with Sezikis and TK leaving the bubble, you had Clutterbuck on the first line. Um, You have Peugeot centering now Jordan Eberle and Matt Martin. Um, And then the fourth line was made up of Komarov and Broussard, and then they had that that seventh D. So um, interesting lines last night. It seemed to work. Braden Point was injured again in Game 4. He did not play in Game 5. So I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, Braden Point wasn't in Game 3 and Game 5. That's why the Islanders won. Well, spare me that because you, you have a Norris Trophy uh, candidate and and previous winner in Victor Hedman who's playing out of his mind. You have a Vezina goaltender in net in Andre Vasilevsky. And, oh, right, Nikita Kudrov, who's consistently at the top of the league in scoring he's won a couple he's won a heart or two so i don't want to hear that the islanders shouldn't have won because breaking point was out is my point being i mean i think and i i I'd put this in for later for game six of whether or not point would be available for the next game but they are all into without him in the lineup and he's responsible for 44 percent of tampa bay's team's goals through 18 games that's kind of a big deal so to have the guy that either sets it up or scores the goals. And he's single-handedly off the rush. Was it game two what, or game one, mm-hmm. right? He just walks. Yeah, he walk. did. I don't know. I, I, think that's, I don't think that that's the only reason why Tampa Bay lost. But having a guy like that in your lineup that you're used to having dictating play, that team's a fast team. And it's yeah. only faster with him in the lineup. Uh, so, I, I, so I think he... 
plays a bigger role than we thought originally. And, you know, it doesn't help Tampa Bay Lightning that he's not in the lineup. You know, I, I think they're a much better team with him there, but we'll see how game six goes. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the fact of the matter is that the Islanders don't have a Vezina winner. They don't have a Norris Trophy defenseman. They don't have um, a Hart Trophy winner. And the Lightning still had that in their lineup. So, I mean, I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. They're just very different teams. You're, you're talking about a team that, I don't want to say they're run and gun, but they're their makeup allows their strategy to be much different. Whereas the Islanders have a more defensive minded strategy to begin with. Uh, Oh, you know, they're more of the, some of their parts, you know, we only said that a million times, um, drink if that's on your, on your sheet, uh, for a NASA (laughs) podcast drinking game. But I I think it, they're just very different teams. So you, you can't really compare, um, things like that. Yeah. Um, that's true, but regardless, Islanders take it in double overtime. Uh, Jordan Everly wins the game on a beautiful feed from Anders Lee. Um, unfortunate break for Kevin Shattenkirk stick. I believe it's snapped or he, he fanned fought. on, he, he just, just fanned, fanned on, on it. it. Okay. So he just fanned on it. Um, Lee took advantage two on one. Beautiful pass to Everlay, and he beats Vasilevsky. And Everlay needed that. Uh, you know, he, he had a goal, not last game. I think the, was it was the game before in game three when they won. And, you know, I, I thought that that would be the monkey off his back. He came back in game four. So-so performance, shook up the lines. And I have to say, I think Jordan Everlay looked, even though he was on the third line, he looked like he had an extra bit of confidence last night. There was... The usual Jordan A. Everlay toe drag came out again, but it looked real good this time when he did it, like he was doing it with assertion. On McDonough. McDonough. Yes, on Ryan McDonough, and he got a nice shot off on Andre Vasilevsky, and Vasilevsky didn't even know he saved it. It was a really good shot. Yeah, and I I know I said that he was getting at, like, Bailey frustration level uh, for me and and maybe that was an exaggeration it was really frustrating that he couldn't finish and i'm sure he's yeah. just as frustrated um but he's not been that bad when you look no. at the when you look at the points um and i know uh, you know looking on twitter which is always a mistake um you know people were getting on him pretty bad yeah but it, you know he's not exactly a point per game player where you'd expect him to be but he is a big game kind of guy and Last night was, you know, where you need those guys to step up and do their thing. And and he did. So you, you can hardly, you know, blame him for that. Not everyone's going to be, you know, carrying teams and scoring. Luckily, the Islanders have a bunch of players that are doing a really good job. When yeah. you have Pavillier and Nelson not come out of nowhere, but, you know, leading, helping and Bailey leading the team and and scoring. Obviously, Barzell is going to do really well. Um, Lee has been a really good supporting player. You have Martin scoring five goals. You know, not that they weren't looking for Eberle to score, but, you know, none of those guys scored in overtime. It was him. Yeah. So, you know, it's about players stepping up at the right time. Um, and in those other games, you know, they lose four to one, you know, empty net goal. Eberle scores a goal. I don't think that it's still three two. You still got to score yeah. two more to win the game. Right. They're down three to two. So, um, 
you know, it's guys, it's as a team, they have to step up. It's not just one guy. And, but, you know, a guy like that scores a goal for your team and it makes everyone feel good. Um, and yeah. that was a huge win. And you can tell in that celebration. Oh, um, yeah. Last night that it was, that was much more than just a win in the, in the, the conference final. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we've seen the ups and downs with Varlamov, right? He played so well last night he totally totally deserved to win that game and you kind of got the feeling before the game winner that it could go either way the puck was being cycled in both the lightning end the puck was being cycled in the islanders end a lot of tired guys out there it was going back and forth we got the break and you know just talk about a guy who doesn't show emotion that way too often that's something that we haven't seen since Robin Leonard. Yeah, he he, he seems like a guy that's, oh, you know, very reserved. Um, yeah, you know, along the lines of of Grice, um, they're not cold by any means. They just don't show the same emotion. Maybe I mean I think a lot of goalies are like that. Yeah, um, they you know they're pretty unflappable, um, and it might just be that they're confident. And you know with the Islanders um, game and and their own abilities and and what the team's been able to do so far, there's there's no reason to sit and soak after a loss. You know they're they're right. making huge strides as an organization. So and yeah, he absolutely deserved to win that game. Um, I don't love saying things like that because both it was a two to one, so both goalies played really really well, and you can hardly blame Vasilevsky on that overtime goal. Well, I mean, you, you look at the amount of shots that. Varlama face versus Vasilevsky. Oh, ab- absolutely. And I think there's different, there's, I think they're obviously they're, you know, on the surface, it looks like one goalie did a lot more work, but, um, I think Vasilevsky still, you know, fighting in front. I don't want to take anything away just because he didn't save the puck. He's still in position, um, making players shoot wide or whatever the case is. There's, you know, you don't need to go that deep into it, but <laughs> I, I, I think, as far as the celebration is concerned, like I was saying, I think it's in that that win was much more than the final itself. Oh yeah, much more than the series. That how excited they were spoke to how much of a team this is. They're playing for each other. It, that could have been game thirty of the regular season, and I think they would have been that excited about that win. Yeah, and I and I. I think moving forward, you know, just as much as that, um, you know, a previous loss is, I think the game four loss really hurt. I think this one, and that's something they can learn from, and it's something that we're going to yeah. remember forward. I think this moment is something on the other side of the equation that they'll also remember. Absolutely. Look what we did in, you know, the face of adversity. And they can lose the series. They can lose the series. Sure. By the time, you know, our next episode rolls around, you know, it could be all over. But, I, I think it speaks volumes to where this team is and where yeah. they've come, how far they've come. And it's going to be something that they can build on that. Look, we didn't, it, we didn't just, and like I said what, last week with Rob, they can't, they can't just, Oh, we made it. And we got blown out in the series four to one or four, nothing. Nope. You know, now it's a, you know, losing four to two. That's a lot like years ago when they lost to the Penguins 4-2 to in that first round in, in 2013. That was important. 
They yeah. needed to lose that series. That was a team that really didn't have any business, you know, on You're paper right. anyway, doing what they did. But they but, opened some eyes. But they opened some eyes. And then over the, you know, since then, they've made the playoffs more than they haven't. And they've won a bunch of series. Right. Then, you know, the next time they make it, they're playing the Capitals. They force them all the way to a game seven. That's a big deal. Right. You know, then, um, you know, then they heartbreaking loss against the Lightning um, in 2016. You know, four to one. Yeah. They, you know, clearly outplayed. They were, yeah. you know, I believe the Lightning made it to the cup final. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, that's a big deal. Learning experience. Then they do it again. They get blown out by Carolina. That hurt. But they, they also, on the positive side, swept the Penguins. Big, that's true. Big step forward there. Yeah. You know, half step back. Little, little give and take. This run, though. Is two steps forward. Two steps forward, and they lose a series, and I don't think it's a step back. No, I think not it, at all. I think it's now they lose a series four to two. This is truly their contender from here on out. Oh, absolutely, and and you know I I've, I totally agree with you. From the get go, you know I, I want to say after game two, I, I you know people were tweeting at me they're done, pack it in, go home, leave Edmonton. I'm like, let's let's take a second here and, and think about it. This is not the same team that you're used to. This is Barry Trotz. This is Lou Lamorello. This is the new regime. These guys are never out of a game. They're, in my opinion, still never out of a series. And that's exactly what you saw in Game 5. They were not out of this game. They were not out of this series. They don't want to go home. They want to stay. They want to win. And they found a way. And good teams find a way. They find a way to do it. And they did. So, game six, we'll see what happens. Um, but at, game five was a huge, like you said, learning experience. This is something that they're going to remember. And, yeah, they could lose. And that would be fine. It would still be two steps forward. But, in my opinion, a win like this, like last night's win, could change the course of a series. They, huge, huge momentum shift, in my opinion. It could be. Could be. Absolutely, absolutely. I think they have a lot more work to do than just momentum. Oh, yeah. I think 100%. on on the ice, um, they and you know in Game Six, they need to cover the Tampa Bay D. Oh yeah. They are whether it's off the rush or in the zone, they are doing an absolutely terrible job of doing that. When yeah. in that on that Headman goal, um, Martin or Nelson were behind the goal. They both went so to the same guy. Instead of that was, third man staying high and, and and finding the trailer or, you know, just literally stand on the slot, like do anything else than leave that guy wide open. Um, they, they need to have their head on a swivel a little bit. What, you didn't know this guy was coming? So what I think happened there in that, in that specific play on the headman goal, uh, it was a bad switch of lines between the second and the third line. Uh, Everlay isn't normally out with the third line unit. Nelson was still caught out there on a bad change from the second line, and they lost. They lost their man. Nelson went too low. Everlay was already down low. Uh, they did. They had nobody covering the point. Juicy rebound for Victor Hedman, and he's not going to miss from there. Yeah, I, that, what I'm saying is, yeah, they just need to. What, bad line change aside, I don't know that I necessarily buy that. Just cover, just 
you know, you never, you don't go two guys below the goal line against one guy. Yeah. In your uh, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Unless you got coverage, or it's a five on four or something, you don't do that. Yeah. And you just and you don't leave again. Their defensemen activate. They did a really good. They always do that. They play seven D. Um, their you know Hedman is a monster. Yeah. Uh, he he may not be human, unconfirmed. So, but like <laughs> he's just playing thirty minutes a night. Come on. But you know he's he's super athletic and yeah he, he's not gonna he's not gonna miss from there. The rebound didn't help. But they need to do a better job of that. But even when the Lightning have the puck in the offensive zone, they're not picking up the D. They're running around a little too much. I don't know. I don't understand their style on the penalty kill or in their own zone. They seem to back off too much from the point and then have to cover too much ice in between. So they can either get a shot off or make a really good pass. And when I watch the Lightning in their own zone, maybe their forwards are quicker. But they do a much better. They are on the Islanders' forwards almost right away. Yeah, they, and they have almost yeah. no time. And look, they, you know, Pulak finally got a shot off. They have not been able to set him up to get a shot on net That's in a true. really long time. You know, watching a good team like the Lightning might be something the Islanders need to do to you know learn something because yeah. it's really, you know, you, the they took a page out of the Lightning book you know, having 70 in the lineup. And I think they did a better job. You saw Taves down deep. You saw yeah. Pulak coming in, you, you know, Pulak and Mayfield occasionally bring the puck in. Obviously, Letty likes to rush the puck, but it allowed them to rest a little bit to be able to do that stuff and create those opportunities. Um, but, and maybe the forwards are too tired to cover the point. I don't know. I don't make excuses. They're professionals. Yeah. Figure it out. Oh, yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about that seventh D who drew in the lineup. And that D is... Johnny Boychuk, he returned for the first time since August 1st. That is, uh, it was, yesterday was September 15th. That's a month and a half. He hadn't played in a month and a half. Comes back, and he only got like eight minutes and change, maybe almost nine minutes, but five blocks. No, sorry, five hits, six blocks. And, you know, he he played really well, in my opinion. He took a, a, a tough slap shot by... Kucherov to the ribs. He lost a skate blade. He got battered and bruised, but he was laughing it off, Johnny Boychuk style, and he was just really good out there. He looked really good. Yeah, I think you know, not only having the seven D where you're not throwing him in there and expecting him to play maybe 15 minutes uh, yesterday, you, you didn't have to play him that much. You got under 10 minutes. You didn't have to do anything crazy. You yeah. get him kind of back into the game slowly. Um, get your other guys some rest. And yeah, like I said earlier, I, th- I think he was just the right guy. This yeah. was one of the instances when he didn't, you know, Trotz wasn't pushing buttons to push buttons and make the change. He yeah. was actually doing it to uh, make a difference because it was necessary. Yeah. And he made a he made a really big difference. Yeah, absolutely. Some uh, other numbers from last night. Uh, J.G. Peugeot continues to, you know, prove why Lou Lamorella went out and got him. He uh, on the draw took 70. Uh, I'm sorry, 43 face-offs. In the game total, there were 76 face-offs. So he took 43 of them. So that just goes to show you how much Trotz trusts him to do his job in the face-off circle, taking 43 of 76 face-offs, and he won 23 of them. I think that's about 53%, if my math is right. He won 53% of those face-offs out of uh, 23. 43. He won 23. Oh, that's an unreal yeah. stat. That's bonkers. 
he's out there for more more than half of their faceoffs. Yeah, and and needing to kind of go down and um, kind of fill in for that extra forward on whatever you want, whatever line number you want to call that with Komarov and Broussard. Uh, <laughs> weird, whether it was weird Bers- third line, weird fourth line. <laughs> whether it was um, Barzell or Pajot, one of the two of them were out there. And like I said, it was kind of a blunder last night anyway. Um, but having both of them out there, it, it I think it gave an opportunity too with you know the 11 and 7 situation. It gives some of their better forwards, especially centers, a little bit more time. So you're able to play Barzell a little bit. I, I mentioned it. I, I, didn't, I should have looked at the numbers, the time on ice numbers before the podcast. But I'm, I'm interested to see which players actually got a little bit more ice time than normal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't take a look. I, that would have been something interesting to note. And on top of that, how it influenced how they were playing in overtime. I didn't really see a big difference. They seemed to have energy. I think he I think Trotz was playing guys that are a little bit younger, um, like, you know, Peugeot or Barzal or something like that, or Nelson that have the legs that they can go, you know, by second overtime, everybody's tired. Unless yeah. you're a guy like Martin, you know, who's playing eight, ten minutes a night anyway, up to that point. You probably have a little more legs in him, but um, I was also surprised that guys like Clutterbuck and Martin had the legs late, you know, especially going in, in the first overtime, second overtime, because they're not used to playing kind of bigger minutes. And yeah. they were out there a little bit longer than usual, um, just on the eye test. Again, I didn't get a chance to look at the numbers, but, you know, you're playing with a guy like they're playing with guys like Barzal, you know, different shifts. You're out there a little bit longer than you normally would be and a little bit more often. So I was very, I was happily surprised that they played as well as they did. Yeah, absolutely. So, game six is on Thursday, eight o'clock start, and let's talk a little bit about, you know, how do they take game six? What do they do? What's going to happen? First question is, do they continue to go eleven forwards and six and seven D? I think so. I don't see. I think maybe you know. You, I don't know how you take Broussard out because he's a, you know another center and that's that's important. Um, right. But yeah, unless Boychuk is hurt for some reason and he can't play, I think you know he when when Trot presses the right button, he continues to press that button yeah. until it doesn't work. Um, unless he saw something he didn't like. Um, I don't. I don't. You know, Komarov again. Good on. You don't have Sikas. You need Komarov in the lineup. I, I don't see him coming out now in the penalty kill. You need him there. Yeah. Um, Borchuk played well, again, unless he's hurt. Uh, for start, I, I see him. He's kind of integral on that second power play at this point. Um, I don't see him coming out of the lineup. You don't really have a guy like Kunako where he has some offensive flair to throw in there. Um, again, Dal Cole, Lad. Sorry, guys. I know you're kind of, you know, I'm sure you're very nice individuals, but you're not really making a difference out there. Um you're not messing up, but you're not making a difference. So when you get a guy like Boychuk making a difference, you got to leave him in there. Yeah, totally agree. Um, it, it the, the the only thing is that you know yesterday was probably one of their lower, um, the lowest activity in on the offense. You know, there were so many DN, and they're already a defensive minded team, including the forwards. There was just no, not enough shots getting on net. And I don't know that maybe dressing that 12th forward makes a difference there, but they do need to figure out how to get more shots on net for next game. I think that that's something that they're going to try and, and expose uh, in game six. 
But uh, do we think Braden Point's going to be available for Game 6? I think they're going to try. I think he'll make a big difference. Um, game 6, you know, they still have another chance to close out in Game 7, kind of like the Islanders had right. against the Flyers. So right. it's worth, you know, if he's that important to your team, and, and I know you, you're itching to get at the John Cooper comments, but if if this team is as good as they think they are in the Lightning, may, and you don't need Point, I want to save him for the next round. I want him to just recover. Um, guys are going to get hurt and they're going to get worn down. That's the Stanley Cup playoffs. But if they think they can just beat the Islanders straight up without point, yeah, I think they should try. If I'm if I'm that team, I try to do that and save him and get him healthy against for you know it's not going to be easier than the Islanders right. against Dallas. If anything, it's going to be harder. I like the Islanders. Obviously, here we are on this podcast. <laughs> but I think you know I think Dallas is really good, so yeah. they're, and they're not going to have an easy easier time against them. So I think if I'm if I'm the coaching staff, I try to save them. I, maybe I don't you know. And then if you really do need them, you think to to beat the Islanders in Game Seven, if we get to that point, um, no pun intended, then then you put them back in. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. You know, I was listening to Anson Carter after the game last night, and uh, he was saying, you know, is is Braden Point going to be in for Game Seven? He's like, uh, Game Six, and he's like, I think absolutely he'll be there. I think they want to get this done. I think they want to get it done quick. But I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm tending to agree with you here that if they think they could beat the Islanders without Braden Point and give them the extra rest to, you know, be available for the the next round, which is by the way the Stanley Cup Finals, I think that's what they're going to want to try and do. They do have the padding, you know, of of that Game Seven. So if they can't get it done in Game 6, they put him back in in Game 7. I think they're confident they can get it done then. We'll see. Regarding that coaching staff, though, let's talk a little bit about that coaching staff. (laughs) John Cooper. Oh, man. So I'll I'll start with this. He's had a a rough couple of years, right? Uh, Made a good run with the Lightning a couple of years ago. In the um in the playoffs, they went and wound up getting eliminated after being a favorite. Got swept in the first round last year by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Making a good run this year. They're a good team. Not going to take anything away from him. Not going to take away anything from that team. What I don't like about John Cooper is that he's almost making himself a villain. There's a difference between... John Cooper and John Tortorella. John Tortorella will be straight with you and say, I'm not talking to you. Not talking about this. I'm not going to tell you my team strategies. Don't ask me that question. Is it nice? No. But John Cooper is a villain. John Cooper, to uh, to me, is a villain. I heard his post-game comments last night, one of them being, um, you know, it took the stars to align for the Islanders to get the chance that they got in overtime and the, and the result that they got. <sighs> the Islanders took advantage of an opportunity. That's exactly <laughs> That's, like, like right. any other team would like, like a lot of goals are scored off the rush on a mistake or a turnover or whatever the case is. Yeah. They come back the other way and the Islanders have been great at the counter punch. Something I never, like, I think I think we said in another podcast, very surprised at that. Right, oh, they've been I, great at the counterpunch. Right, I, I, you know, I would think that he would have a little bit more respect for a team that he's playing against in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's not like it's a regular season game. 
He's playing against a team in the Eastern Conference Finals. You're down to the final four teams. The best four teams in the NHL right now are playing. And you're going to make a comment like that saying, you know, oh, it took the stars to, you know, we were going to win that game, obviously. But, you know, it took the stars aligning for them to get the opportunity that they had and, and, and they cashed in on it. Well, yeah, they cashed in on it because they're a good team and they can do that. They know how to cash in on opportunities, albeit maybe not always on the power play, but they cash in on opportunities. So I don't know. I, I don't necessarily love one some of his comments because he said something else like, you know, something along the line. I can't remember exactly what it was word for word, but it did sound like he almost was trying to allude at the fact that they didn't deserve to beat the Flyers. Um, I don't necessarily love his coaching style because as we discussed earlier, yes, the Lightning are a good team, but they're dirty. They're definitely dirty. And I don't know if there was, you know, I didn't he didn't make any comments on when Kalorn got suspended on he yeah that's a bad hit he shouldn't have thrown it you know I'll talk to my guy there was nothing like that there was nothing on the Barclay Goudreau cross check to Nelson's head after that hit yeah that's a bad cross check the league missed it I'll take care of my guy good coaches do that do you see Barry Trotz making any comments like that at all no I, I don't think he I don't think he would um and it's it's different styles I think um, what Trotz does is reflective of what actually happens behind the scenes. I, I have no reason to believe that that's not how exactly what, how he speaks to his team, that that's not the environment within the, and the culture within the organization. The Lightning, I think, are uh, play with a little bit more of a chip on their shoulder. I think as an organization, they've been waiting for their chance. They have proven that you know last year was a fluke, that first round series loss, the sweep, um, at the hands of the Columbus Blue Jackets was a fluke. They're obviously a really good team. Um, whether the Islanders win this series or not, the Tampa Bay Lightning are a very good hockey team. Um, and so that might just be the culture in the organization that they, they not only do they play with a chip on their shoulder, but they're, you know, they're outwardly confident. That's just their whole PR, the whole thing, the whole optics of the organization is that they're, you know, um, I don't say tough guys, but they, they speak their mind. They're not worried about what that is, and they know they can back it up. And you know what? If I'm the Lightning, maybe you do that. Maybe you play. Maybe you yeah. act like that. Just you know, does it suck if you're the opposing team? Yeah, I, I'd say that's not. You know, I don't love hearing that. Um, did we still win last night? Yep. Doesn't matter what you think. Um, series is down to three to two now, and True. you know it, it's the you know the Islanders have a chance to to kind of claw their way back, and momentum is a hell of a drug. So yeah. they can they can really kind of. If they can take that and start game one very strongly, I'd love for them to escape the first period, frankly, to kind of go off on one of the subject here. I'd love for them to start the first and end the first period with the lead, even just a one, one, nothing. Then you can kind of dictate the rest of the game. When you end the period, you know, you start the period with a really good, you know, great goal, Pulak, blah, blah, blah. And then it goes in tied. You kind of start all over again. Right. So I, I really think one of the keys is going to be leaving that first, win the first period in game six, win the yeah. first period. And then you kind of, you know, they got to claw their way back and you can kind of always bounce back and and score the second one. Right. You're not playing from behind. You got to score two. Just, right. just get one. Start, win the first period and go from there. I think they're, they are taking that very kind of small approach. We know we're not talking about win games, win game five or six or seven. 
win one period at a time. Yeah. You know, that's what my coaches used to say. And I think what Trotz has been saying at my coaches used to say, we used to get to, um, we were, you know, a pretty good team, um, but we lost in the finals um, a bunch of times and, you know, roller hockey, ice hockey. But the coach said, you know, there's tons of other teams that want to be here right now. And Trotz said that the other night. Yeah. There's 28 teams that would love to be in this position or 2017, whatever the case is. Um, there, there's a bunch of other teams, 20 something other teams that would love to be in this position. Um, and again, going, you know, kind of tying it into what you said, that's, I, I really believe that's the culture of the organization where Cooper wouldn't say that. Right. I don't, I, I don't, I think they just are a little bit more aggressive and you can tell what the play on the ice. You can tell what the things that he says, their organization is very well run. Um, you know, I know some of the people here in Syracuse that are, you know, in charge of the organization, they do a really good job. Yeah. Um, and a lot of these guys are a product of, from, you know, the Syracuse country. I remember watching them years ago. Yeah. And, um, I think it's just difference in culture to diff- very different organizations. Yeah, it's funny that you just say the difference in culture um, because you, earlier you said that they play with a chip on their shoulder, which I totally agree. But you, you can make the argument that the Islanders also play with that chip on their shoulder, us against the world. So it's just so funny to see how the, the different cultures approach it with the same mentality of we, you know, we're going to play with a chip on our shoulder. Yeah, I like like the Lightning don't to this point other than winning a cup they have nothing left to prove. They're a good hockey team. Yeah. President's trophy, Stanley Cup final, blah blah blah. So it's a different chip. Yeah, absolutely. They're, you know, they're closer to a white collar chip on their shoulder than the Islanders blue collar, right? The Islanders are on the upswing. The the Lightning are at the top of their game. They're at their peak. They're, yeah. They're, you know, they're, they have a long window. These guys are, this is a pretty young team. And they, they seem to have a knack of picking these guys up. Shattenkirk, yeah. you know, getting, getting picked up after being bought out by the Rangers. I, you know, that's amazing. Um, McDonough, another Ranger product. Um, I forget how they got him. But they have a good farm. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, a very, true. you know, this, this, a lot of this Lightning team is the same makeup that beat the Islanders four years ago. Yeah. So, and they've only been getting better since then. And in the last two years, they've really hit their stride. Yeah. So it's just a they're just they're at different points on their trajectory. Yeah. And they play very different games for the most part. Culture is different. The the makeup of everything is different. Cooper is not Trotz. I don't think Trotz could fit into it into a team like that into an organization like that. Um, that's not how they were. You know, that's not what the Capitals were about when he was there either. Um. True. So just just very different. You know, that's not every coach fits in every organization. And like, you know, Laviolette got hired in, in Washington and um, which you may be hearing this for the first time, although it's been out for a couple of days. He fits that bill for me. Yeah, I agree with that. He's a he's, he's a reserved guy. And that team needs a leader, a, you know, a relatively quiet leader that um, sets the tone. And that's what it is. Cooper sets a very different tone for that team. Yeah, it's, it's clear. Yeah, He's an absolutely. And you know what? That's okay. Yeah. It's different. A couple points that the Islanders need to make sure of going into game six to try and, and take the game six victory is they need to be a little bit better at picking up someone on the rush and covering the lightning defenseman at their point. You know, just like last night, that goal had that had been scored, or two nights ago, as you're hearing this, uh, you know, the goal had been scored from the point. Juicy rebound, albeit that rebound should not have trickled out all the way to almost 
it was about, about the top of the circle. Hedman was able to make his way from the blue line and come down and grab it and get the shot off. But very bad at, um, you know, maintaining the Lightning defenseman on the point in the offensive zone for the Lightning. Yeah, we, we touched on this a, a little bit earlier. Um, that's going to be, and it's been, I think the, the Lightning have taken advantage of the Islanders not doing this. Yeah. And, and they've done a really good job of scoring and getting the tips and getting the rebounds and just getting the puck to the net, finding the lanes from the point to get that puck in there. Um, that it could be a difference maker. I think the Islanders being a little bit more aggressive on the on the Lightning defenders and not turning that puck over on the half wall. Um, yeah, I think those things can be big difference difference makers, and they could force a game seven. They're it's they're capable. Of, they beat oh, yeah. them twice. To, you know, they can they can do it a third time and make it interesting. And um, like I also said earlier, win win or lose this series. This is a huge step. This is really important. Yeah, uh, it's obviously better if they win. Even better For if they sure. even just make it game seven. Yeah, but if they drop game six, I'm not going to be as upset as if they lost against the Flyers. It's, um, not, it's not the same. I actually very much agree with that. Yeah, I, this is a, this is a different, um, you know. And then they can pretty much get swept in the Stanley Cup final if. For all, you know, just making it that far, kind of unexpectedly after the the February that they had, and all of this is probably unexpected in in a year that's, as everyone's saying, unprecedented. <laughs> um, but I, I think, again, taking those strides and just being there, you realize last night the entire hockey world watching an Islander game. Yeah, no that's other game good. To watch that is good for the brand. Oh yeah, that absolutely great for the brand, and. I think just on a you know new arena, this that the other thing, just you know again the hockey world's watching this team, yep, and they win the game, and there's yep. not, there's nothing else to watch. They they win the game, and whether it was in dramatic fashion or they win it in regulation and they dominate, doesn't matter. They won the game. Yep. Um, so it's going to be hard to say moving forward that they're not the real deal. Maybe the hockey world gives them a little more credit moving forward. I think. Doubt it. I, um. <laughs> Look, look at us switching roles for a second. But I, <laughs> but I, think, it's, I think it's important for, um, for Islander fans to see that, some positivity around the team, um, you know, some concentration on the things that they're doing. And, um, yeah, only good things here. Yeah, absolutely. I think that about wraps it up for us this week, John. Uh, we want to say thank you again to Oyster Bay Brewing Company. Make sure to follow them on social media at Oyster Bay Brewing with no G and pick up a barn rocker for each game for the Islanders as they play. Barn rockers are the only way to drink in style while watching an Islander game, so make sure you pick some up. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at James Nichols NYI. You can find John on Twitter at John Zella with no H. Uh, you can find us on social media at Nassiman Hockey. And until next time, guys, let's go out of this.